There are two dominating trends that are the signature to this NBA season. What do they mean for the Jazz future and the NBA's future? It's next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is the, sep- the March 2nd edition of Locked On Jazz. The league is having an offensive explosion, but why, what's causing it, and what's the defensive answer to it in the future if you were building a roster? There's no dominant team right now in the NBA like we've never seen before. It's supposedly wide open. What does that really mean, and who are the contenders, and what does this mean if you're building a roster. Those are the topics on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. We are your team every day, and we are free and available on all podcasting apps, as well as on YouTube. Join the Locked on Jazz community Join the group by hitting that subscribe button or that follow button or hit the little bell on YouTube so that you're notified every time uh, that we do something and get you on the show. Uh, Please do. We look forward to having you as part of the group. And we have a great group. Super, super outstanding group of people uh, that follow this show each and every day. So thanks very much for being a part of Locked on Jazz. So there's two trends. Offensive explosion and lack of dominant team. And... Last night, I just dug into both pretty deeply, spent a lot of time on it, trying to figure out what the next trend is in the NBA. Um, You know, if you follow me for a long time, I do like to do this. Um, So this show is kind of a big picture NBA show as much as it is a jazz thing, but it's really how do the jazz, what do the jazz need to do to build their roster for the future? One of the things I'll tell you what, I've been on for years now um, and really believed in is the secondary rim defender. There aren't a lot of primary rim defenders, but I will tell you as we're done with this, the, the same thing I've talked about for years, which is the secondary rim defender is going to circle back up. So if you've been a part of this show for, for a long time, you've heard me talk about secondary rim defender. You can hear me talk about secondary rim defender again. All right, here's some data points. They're pretty incredible. A um, lot of numbers today. A lot of numbers today. So league offense right now is at 114.7. 114.7 points per 100 possessions, non-blowout minutes, according to cleaning the glass. First note on that is it's likely to go up before the year's over, which is even crazier. So we're probably crossing 115. Uh, the reason I say that is if you look back at 21-22, in October, November, we were 108.6. Then we were 111.9. Then we were 112.6. Then we were 113.5. And from March until April last year, We actually crossed over 115.8. Defenses get less good as the year goes on. Offenses get better, one or the other. But last year, crazy, March and April, a trend to see what was coming, we went to 115.8. This year, in October, November, we were 113.1 compared to last year at 108.9. Here's why that's relevant. It's a huge difference, right? Five points per Last year, we were coming off 
Just kind of that three-year COVID run, and I thought everyone was tired to start the year. And so if you were to actually take away the 108, we actually had an offensive dip last year in the NBA. And if you were to take away that 108.9 last year in October, November, and kind of start it where everything was normal in December and then kind of look at everything kind of a month off everything, it makes a little more sense last year. With that said, this October, 113.1, which is five, almost five points better than a year ago. December, we were 114.8, which is three points better than a year ago. In January, we were 116.3, which is three and a half points better than a year ago. In February, we the offense slowed down. So this actually will be interesting. The, the offense slowed down in February. It went to a 115.3, which was actually only 1.8 points better than a year ago. So, and then last March, we exploded at 115.8. I'm assuming we're going to be bigger than 115.8 because everything's been bigger. I don't know by how much anymore because tr- we're slowing a little bit, but it's going to push us to a 115. Okay, let me put that in contrast. 10 years ago or nine years ago, the offense was a 105.8. So in nine years, we're going to add nearly 10 points per 100 possessions. Crazy. Here's what the progression has been in the NBA. This is the last 10 years. 106.7, then went down to 105.8, went back up to 106.8. Then we had a massive jump. The year after the 73-9 and Warriors, from 15-16 to 16-17, we had a massive jump in the NBA. and it was It's the biggest single jump of three-point shooting of any year you can find uh, in the league. Uh, we went from taking 29% of our shot, 26% of our shots as threes to 29. And the offense exploded. Went from 106.8 to 109. Then dipped to 108. Then went up to 110.6. Then leveled the next year at 110.8. Then jumped again in 2021 to 112.8, which is a weird, no fan, funky season. And the theory was that we that we shot better because there were no fans. We went down last year to 112.3. And this year we're going to be at 115, which will be... That three-point jump from 112.3 to about 115 will be the biggest single jump of any season. We talked about this in the very beginning of the year. We notified, we recognized when we did a trend thing, 10, 15 games in the season, this will be the greatest offensive season in the history of the game. And not only that, it will be the biggest offensive single season jump. So what does this mean for the league? Like, does this mean you offense is more important? Defense is more important? Like, what? Are teams shooting more threes? Like, what's happening? So let's dig into first... We've established that this is the greatest offensive jump in the history of the NBA and the greatest offensive season in the history of the NBA and that offenses are just exploding. So that's established. What does it mean? First of all, why is it happening? Let's go there first. Why is it happening? So shooting is up. Effective field goal percentage, which weighs three-point shooting, has jumped from 53.5 last year, which I think was down because of all the COVID stuff. Again, trends are super hard, right? To 54.6. It's a one-point jump. We haven't really had a one-point jump other than 1920 to 2021, we had a one-point jump. Again, that gets to be the no fans in the crowd season where teams shot unusually well. So having a one percentage point jump in effective field goal percentage has a massive impact and is actually bigger than, you know, bigger than we probably think. Now it shouldn't feel it shouldn't be that much. Because if you take a hundred shots in a game, it's that's one shot. 
It's really one shot, right? If you're making 53 and then suddenly you make 54, it's one shot. It's two points because effective field goal percentage weighs for twos. So we're just talking about two points there. But the jump itself from just two years ago is literally two points. The second thing that's going on is teams, players are going to the free throw line considerably more than they used to. It's the highest free throw rate I could find in the NBA in year, in 10 years. And I didn't go back further. So that's, that's interesting. And that is, I think, we've, there's two things here that have happened. The increase in shooting, the fact that everybody can shoot, means that you have a floor spaced and then you have a bunch more guys who can drive and then you're, you end up fouling more. That's not great for the game. I would have guessed that the league will curtail this, by the way. The league has kind of a level where they like the foul. Like, here's the here's the foul rate in the last few years in the league. 19.4, 19.9, 20.2, 20. back to 19.2, to 19.3. And now we're at 21.2. I'm going to guess the league's going to do something to get that number back down to 19.3. The other thing on that first month last year, 108.6, if you remember, two year, last year, at first month, they were allowing people to manhandle the ball handlers. They were allowing to grab and hold and do all this stuff. And the game got kind of ugly and the league had to kind of come back on the fishing. But now with that, there's too many fouls. So the average team is taking about 24 free throws a game, which is, I think, more than the league would want. Like if we go back to the 2021 season, again, that's that weird season, but it's it's the foul rate which the league wanted the average, the the median team was tw- taking 21 free throws per game. Free throws are boring and they take too long. And the league kind of is obsessed with wanting those down. So we're three free throws higher on the average team than we were. And I think that's floor spacing and driving and things like that. And I think that'll go away, right? The league adapts. So here's what we've established. The shooting is better. We're going to the line more. The next one that's really interesting is where the shots are coming from. We're We're trying to get somewhere here. I don't know if we will. You're on a journey with me here to see what the trends are, what it means. But there's something interesting about the shooting trends, where they're going and what's happening with them that I think leads me to what's going to become wildly important on how you build an NBA roster in the future. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. It's a complete thrill for Locked On to have FanDuel be our official sportsbook sponsor at Locked On. They have been a they are a new sports betting partner and they are the number one sports betting book in America. And they've got a great deal for you going on right now. It's the no sweat first bet, up to a thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. You get the bonus bet if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sports app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. Build your favorite NBA bets. Can you include core markets, spreads, money line, total, player props, player points, rebounds, assists, so many exclusive bets, like two times three, two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. Do all that at FanDuel. Build your same-day parlays and do it all. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA, as well as the official sports book of Locked On. Thanks so much for making Locked On your first listen of the day today. 
We are free and available for you on all podcasting apps for your second listen. It's Locked On Sports Today, the 22-minute look at the world of sports. All right. So here's what's happened in a trend-wise from shooting. Three-pointers are down. So we're having an offensive explosion while less three-pointers are being taken. For the first time in the last 10 years since the three-point explosion happened in 15-16, we've gone down. Last year, 36.8% of all shots were threes. And this year, 35.4% of all shots are threes. So this gets to be an interesting question. Is this defensive or offensive? Now, one thing that Kevin Pelton has always talked about is that offenses dictate the amount of threes that are taken and defenses dictate the amount of shots at the rim that are taken. So, I don't know. The This would lead you to believe that actually offenses are taking less. So last year, 36, this and 36.4% of all threes are being made. That is up a notch from last year at 358 but it's down from the empty year, which was when there were no fans at 37.1. And it's right back at the pre-COVID number of 36.3 and the year before at 36.0 and the year before that at 36.7 and the year before that at 36.4. It's almost as though if you take out the one year which had nobody in the, the no fans and you take out the year last year, which kind of was weird and exhausting and then had the weird ruling early, Here are the numbers of three-point shooting over the last five years in the NBA. 36.4, 36.7, 36, 36 36.3, 36.4. There's a chance we've actually hit the number by which you're going to make threes. It's 36%. Like that that is just the league average. And that we've just peaked this to the level where anyone's willing to go. I don't actually think they're right. I actually think that there might be something here where the next team that decides to just launch 50% of their shots as threes is going to be right. I'm not, I'm not convinced that we don't have something actually swinging back a little bit the wrong direction here. That when, you know, a year ago when we took the most threes in the league at 43%, we were actually right. We'll keep an eye on it. But I, I kind of wonder. Golden State's taking the most, then Boston, then Dallas, then Utah, then us. Those are pretty good teams. Then Indiana, Utah and Indiana, the two biggest surprise teams in the NBA this year. Sacramento's taking the eighth most, their third. So the Warriors, Boston, Dallas, Milwaukee, Utah, Indiana, Portland, Sacramento taking the most threes of anyone in the league. Miami is too. They can't score. Um, But those are pretty good offensive teams. What has happened though is more shots are happening at the rim than ever before, which is super interesting because defenses are supposed to dictate the rim being defended. And there was the the few years ago, Brooke Lopez and the Milwaukee Bucks changed the way teams play defense in the NBA. Mike Budenholzer, in the year the Bucks became great, came out and decided to take away the rim from the league. They were the first team in defensive shooting frequency that suddenly allowed like less than thirty percent of shots at the rim. They allowed twenty nine point one percent of shots at the rim in the nineteen twenty season, and and this became the hot thing to do. 
was literally Brooke Lopez camping at the rim, not allowing anyone. Less than 30% of shots at the rim is a crazy number. The next year, there were two teams, Washington and Milwaukee, that got below 28% of allowing shots at the rim. Then last year, in 21-22, and this is probably why shooting has become even more important, is the counter to this. In the 21-22 season, we suddenly had, last year, we had an incredible seven teams allowing less than 30% of shots at the rim. So the entire league defense went to, we're not letting you get to the rim. Rims, teams shoot 66% at the rim. It's nearly 1.4 points per shots, 1.38 or whatever. And we're not letting you get to the rim. This year, there's four teams that are not allowing you to get through. Golden State is setting an all-time record, allowing 25% of all shots at the rim. Boston's at 29, Miami's at 29.7, Milwaukee's at 29.8. So we've gone from seven to four. Teams are getting to the rim. I think from the data that I looked at last night, they're getting to the rim in transition. There's more rim shots in transition this year than there were a year ago or in the past. Teams went and started hunting threes in transition. And as the league took away the rim in the half court, I think teams have decided that they're willing to go to the rim at a higher rate in transition and commit to the rim in transition in a way that they were not. Quinn Snyder kind of bent the league on the year, which we had such great success by shooting threes in transition, people followed it for a little while and then realized, wait, wait a sec, I can't get to the rim in the half court anymore because of what Milwaukee did. I'm going to go to the rim in transition. That's my take on what's happened there. But what has happened is the rim is more important than ever before. Teams are now shooting 66.5% at the rim. So not only are rim shots up from a year ago, about one percentage point more rim shots but teams are shooting three percentage points better at the rim than they did three years ago. And there's where part of this offensive explosion happened. The other one is the floater is way up. The floater was 40% for years. It's at 44% now. Still not great. 0.88 points per shot compared to going to the rim or taking a three at 36%. If the league average is 36% on a three, you're still willing to get someone to take a floater. Because the, the three at 36% is at 1.08 points per shot and the floater's at 0.88 point shots. It's a great advantage to keep someone in the floater zone. Mid-range shots are not really up. 0.5% more mid-range shots this year, 0.7 than two years ago. But if you go back to the 1920 season, this is interesting. 71% of all shots were rim or threes. This year, it's down to 68.8. So there is... Defenses are forcing you. Teams may be a little bit more willing, feeling better at 44. They're wrong, by the way. They're still wrong. It's still 0.2 points worse than taking a three. I do think that this is trending the wrong direction, by the way. I think the money ball play is this is so you want building a team? Shoot threes. Be in the elite of shooting threes while still attacking the rim. But I think that this is trending the wrong direction. People are getting too comfortable with the mid-range. There's the, the theory is you, you have to have the mid-range in the playoffs. So you might as well do it in the regular season. Not entirely sure this is right. I think there might be a mistake there. Here's the other one that's really interesting to me. I really zeroed in on the rim last night. So Golden State's doing what Golden State's doing. Of the top 10 teams denying shots at the rim, Boston's the in there, the sixth best defense. Milwaukee's the number one defense in the NBA. Miami's the fourth best defense. Those are three of the top four. And then the Pelicans are 10th of 10th. But of the top 10 teams in the league denying the rim, only four of them are top 10 defenses. That's super strange to me. 
The rim seems to be the holy grail at 66.5% shooting with 33% of shots at the rim. And yet the top 10 teams are denying the rim are not actually the best defensive teams. Of the teams with the best rim defense, Memphis is number one. They're the second best defense in the league. Cleveland's number two. They're the third best defense in the league. Milwaukee's the sixth best. They're number one defense in the league. And Phoenix is 10th with the eighth. But again, of the top 10 teams in the NBA that are the best rim defenders, only four of them are in the top defensive teams. So what do we need to be doing defensively? And what is the future? Well, here's an interesting little find. So then I just went back to like the four factors and we're like, okay, top defensive teams in the league. Of the top 10 defensive teams, that's not that great. That's top 33%. I usually like to look at the top six because that's one out of every five. And then you're in the top 20%. But if you look at the, so let's, we'll look at it. If you look at the top six defensive teams, Milwaukee, Memphis, Cleveland, Miami, Chicago, Boston. Now you start to do that, by the way, and all of a sudden three of those six are in the top rim defense teams of def- denying the rim or, or excuse me, defense teams of the room. Okay. That's, that gets, that's a little eye opening. And then if you get into the top best rim deniers, three of the top six are in the top rim. Def- okay. So 50% of the top, like 20% defenses are either rim defenders or rim deniers. Okay. That begins to gel to what we'd expect, but here's an interesting one of the top six. Defensive teams in the league. Four of them are the four best defensive rebounding teams in the league. Boston's one, Milwaukee's two, Chicago's three, Miami's four, and Cleveland's eight. So five of the six top defensive rebounding teams in the league are top eight defensive rebounding teams. Okay? There's also... And I've never been a believer in this, an argument to forcing turnovers. Memphis is sixth. Cleveland is fifth. Miami is second. Now, interesting, Milwaukee is last and Boston is 27th. And I've always been on that side a little bit. The other one is don't foul. Remember we talked about the spike in free throw shooting? That's happened that we're at a higher foul rate than we've ever been. Milwaukee's the second lowest foul rate. Memphis is the sixth lowest foul rate. Miami's the eighth lowest foul rate. Chicago's the ninth lowest foul rate. And Boston's the third lowest foul rate. So suddenly five of the top six defenses in the NBA are in the top 10, top nine, of not fouling. Now this gets interesting. Trying to force turnovers and not fouling gets to be contrary. So the two things that I think are really, really interesting here. That, I, that we found. Rim defense matters. But defensive rebounding is way more important than ever before because the offensive explosion of how many points a possession is worth, if you clear the possession and give them a few less, it's way more valuable than ever before. Number two, don't foul. The foul rate is up. That's 1.80% free throw shooters, 1.6 points per possession. Don't foul. Defensive rebounding and not fouling and then defending the rim. We're not talking about three-point shooting. And this might be why allowing more threes defensively is okay because you're probably not fouling. You hopefully are balanced for a rebound. 
and you're denying the rim. So an interesting little trend defensively where I think you might be willing to allow more threes. If you don't foul, you defensive rebound. I'm going back to my essence of staying in a shell and not forcing turnovers. I'm kind of mystified on the turnover thing, but I will say if you look at the top 10 defenses in the NBA this year, eight of them are in the top 11 in forcing turnovers. Eight of the top 11 teams in forcing turnovers are in the top 10 defensively. Can't get an offensive rebound if you turn it over. Don't get a shot off if you turn it over in a league in which the shooting is better than ever before. So hopefully found some there. All right, we're going to do a quick check on there's no dominant team in the league. Um, It's kind of our next little piece here. We don't have as much time as I thought. That, of course, took longer than I anticipated. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen, make sure you grab Locked On NBA Big Board. We'll, we'll talk about this more tomorrow in Oklahoma City. But what I wanted to talk about, and I'll, I'll just take this with me. We'll do this tomorrow because it's too good not to. And we probably don't have a lot that's going to change between now and then. Um, there's only one team in the NBA right now that has a point differential over five, over six. And that's Boston. That's usually like what you need to get in the finals. You usually have to be one or two in your division, your conference in, in uh, point differential. You usually have to be over five other than Cleveland in the LeBron take the year off and then go to the finals year in Miami in the bubble. We only have four teams in the NBA that are over five. Like, what does this mean for the upcoming playoffs? And then also, what does it mean about team building? So we'll look at that tomorrow. I'll take that with me on the road. Uh, last night in the NBA, the Pels got a win over Portland, and Oklahoma City kind of continued the what's going on in Oklahoma City. They lose to the Lakers 123-117. Shea doesn't play again. Josh Giddy at least played 34 minutes this time. Lou Dort at least played 36. They're suddenly playing some other guys. Uh, Wiggins is back out there. Aaron Wiggins is back out there playing. Uh, Lakers, that's a huge win. They had no Anthony Davis. They had no D'Angelo Russell, and they had no LeBron James. Lakers holding on for dear life. We did get Durant out there for the first time. For 27 minutes, so he dropped 23 points. Devin Booker looked unstoppable in that game against a not-very-good Charlotte team. Um, but the big story, actually, is that New Orleans finally got a win, 121-110, and that Anthony Simons re-injured his ankle on his return to Portland, and Portland didn't look great. So the standings sit here right now. The Wolves at 32-32. and 32. We're at 31-32. and 32. The Pels are back in at 31-32, and 32, and the Lakers are coming. That was a big win by L.A., and Oklahoma City may not be coming. They've lost five in a row. They're suddenly two and a half games out of the play-in spot. Portland's a game and a half out. The Lakers are just a game out. The real question is still going to be, do we have two teams competing for three spots? Do we have three teams competing for three spots, or do we have four teams competing for three spots? And that's kind of the unknown of where we are in the way things look. All right, I'm going to end this a little early because my daughter's leaving, and I'm not seeing her for 15 days, and I need to go get a hug. So that's why. Talk to you guys soon.